So, I'll give you the comedy up front because I don't have too much in the message today. Um, you want something really funny? It happened to me yesterday. <laughs> you guys. So we have this thing in our garage that drops down from the attic, and we you can put stuff on it and then winch it up into the attic and put stuff in there so you don't have to like lug things up like a ladder or something. Anyway, so it's hanging and it's hanging down. My wife always says, "Don't leave it hanging down." I'll run into it, meaning her. So yesterday, she's looking for a faucet, and she's texting me, and I'm looking at the pictures in the garage. I'm like, bam, corner. I got a gash right here. Yeah, and, I, and it's, I, yesterday was like this big, and I felt like I was like a white unicorn. It was just, <laughs> and, she, and I told her, and she goes, ha, Left head skin right on it. It was terrible. Hey, if you are new, welcome to Element. There are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Uh, there are sermon notes and all the community tables around the room. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app called Uversion. Uh, unfortunately, our, our Wi-Fi is not working. Uh, it's, it's an external issue. It's not ours. It's, it's DSL Extreme because they're a pain in the butt. Uh, but anyway, it's their issue, and they're, and they're working on it. So we don't be Wi-Fi, so you have to use 3G. Bummer. Pay for it. Whatever. Okay, anyway. And you download it, and you can get all the sermon notes and questions and Bible verses that we go through this morning as well. So I have two things uh, as we get going. The first one is this. Uh, if, you're, if, if you know somebody or you own some quads, like you go to the dunes, right over the place, could you come and talk to me after service is over? We're trying to do a men's activity where we go to the, do the dunes, and it's cheaper to just pay for your gas than to go and rent some. And we'd, so we'd like to do like a quad thing at the dunes for a guy's activity. So if you have some, know somebody, you know, I, someone talked to me last service, they got like a six-wheeled dune buggy. I'm like, sweet. So if you, if you have one of those, that'd be awesome too. Dirt bikes, whatever, just let me know when we're at down. And the second thing is this. Uh, they are for closing on this property. Uh, we don't know when we're supposed, to, when we have to be out. It's not, we didn't like buy it and being foreclosed on. The person who owns it that we lease from is being foreclosed on, and we can't afford to buy it because it's like six million dollars, you know. But uh, so what they've done is they, is they stopped most of the stuff, so there's no landscaping or gardening, and this is going to start to look really bad around here. And one of the things we like to do is just make it look nice, so a garden, and you, you want to be, you know, come down to Element on your free time and chop bushes and mow the lawn. You know, on the back there's a sign up says general volunteer. Just write gardening or lawn next to your name and we'll have someone get a hold of you if you want to help out. We're not going to make you do it all. Like, and if it doesn't work, then, you know, it'll probably be me. So, <laughs> and I hate it. I hate it. We did this, we did this FPU, Financial Peace University, and they said, you know, have a garage sale and after, after the garage sale, take that money, put it into an emergency fund in case something happens. Well, we had a garage sale, made like 400 bucks. You know what I did with it? I bought a riding lawnmower. <laughs> Dave Ramsey would be so proud. All right, why don't you guys stand on me reading to God's Word. This is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. And it says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask that You would make us into a people who do seek You and honor You and love You. And that we would be those who remember when tough things come into our lives, like the things in Lamentations, that we would remember that you remember us and that you look upon us and you see our need. Amen. Have a seat. So we've been going through the book of Lamentations for the last six weeks. Uh, throughout the history of the Christian church, there has been seasons that sometimes get preached and taught 
through. At Christmas, there is the season of Advent. Then after the, the birth of Christ, then it's a season of Epiphany. And you get to about the six weeks before Easter, and there's a season that's normally called Lent. And what they do is you take six weeks to reflect upon yourself and your sin and what God is doing in your life. And if, if you have actually spent the time for the last six weeks in Lamentations, thinking about what it says about your sin, who God is, you have kind of been through a season of Lent and you didn't even know it. You're welcome. That's kind of amazing. I think it's very appropriate to end Lamentations as today is what is called Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is representative when Jesus goes into Jerusalem proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. And this kicks off Easter week. Lamentations is the most depressing book in the Bible and it is good and sobering for us as we hit this week, especially coming to Good Friday and Easter Sunday to think about these things. That we are a people whose spiritual formation is supposed to be governed by thoughts that take God's work through us as a people, as a church, seriously. This throughout church history has been the highest week of the year. Historically, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are called the the Paschal Triunum. And that is fancy for the highest and holiest days of the Christian year. It is supposed to be a way for those who believe here and around the world to acknowledge that Jesus who of Nazareth, who is gentle and strong, we have never seen yet we love with our whole hearts, comes triumphantly into Jerusalem under symbolic representation, riding a donkey, knowing full well it is for his own death. But in his resolve and love for his Father, he gives up everything for us, that he would die and he would raise from the dead to live forevermore. And because of that, we look forward to the day where justice and mercy and peace reign forever and we will never die and all things are made new we haven't seen him yet we love him with all of our hearts in john 20 29 it's jesus says this because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not not seen and yet have believed sometimes i actually wonder what i will see what i will think when i actually see him with my own eyes this one who has redeemed me the one who holds all my identity in his hands Our destiny is wrapped up in this Jewish carpenter, God in the flesh. This is one of the reasons I wanted to end Lamentations today on uh, Palm Sunday. And so we can think about it and walk through it. Because Lamentations, if you really take it seriously, it's very hard to walk through. Today may be one of the hardest weeks yet. It is for me personally. Next week we move to joy and celebration and all that Easter is. But today is pain. In Lamentations. The Bible is a hard book because it shows that everyone is evil. Only God is good. Lamentations takes place because the children of Abraham, who had a relationship with God, the God of all creation, they did not live as the God of all creation called them to live. So he sends discipline by having the Babylonians destroy their city and haul everyone into captivity. And it kind of appears to be a contradiction. The one true God that makes everything, makes a covenant. This is God's word for relationship, makes a relationship with these people, calls them his chosen people. Starts with an old Aramean guy named Abraham. And eventually his offspring become the children of Israel, the people of God. And his people wind up being so idolatrous and wicked that they become slaves to an idolatrous, wicked, and ruthless nation. And it doesn't seem to make sense that these are the people of God, yet they are going through these hard times. Even this morning, as you and I are in this room, there are many here who have been through the grinder or are going through the grinder right now. And when we go through it, we think things like, no one knows what I'm thinking, no one knows what I'm enduring, nobody can feel what I'm feeling. Jeremiah in Lamentations gives voice to all of that, all of these feelings. And I think Lamentations ends with a simple prayer. So the Bible open to Lamentations chapter 5. I think Lamentations chapter 5 is a three-part supplication on the heart of a prophet who sees his people being demolished. But I'm going to give you the ending of today's message at the very beginning because I may not be able to get through it at the end. 
And that is this. If you belong to Jesus, if you love Him, if you seek to live in community with His people and give yourself and your time to His calling and His vision, it is impossible for you not to suffer. Now, that is almost the opposite of what your Christianity talk about today. I know. But you will have to endure hard things. We of all people on the earth do not turn our backs on tragedy. The tragedy is the center of our understanding. The cross is the symbol of Christianity. Our God, our Savior, the greatest of the entire world, who speaks creation into existence, He splits history at a tree where He is tortured and died for our sins. And this life is our life now. Now, Philippians 1.29, Paul says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. If we love Him and want Him and want to be like Him, we must become like Him. And that means we will share in His death and also His resurrection. Lamentations echoes this. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 says this, Remember, O Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans and fatherless, our mothers like widows. We must buy the water we drink. Imagine, that's a terrible lament that they actually buy their water. (laughs) Our wood can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us, and there is none to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Now, the text opens with the simple prayer that's important for us to understand going from Palm Sunday to Good Friday and then to Easter. It encompasses three things. It encompasses to remember, and he says look, and the word look means pay attention, and it encompasses to see. It says, remember us, Lord, in our fallen state. Pay attention to us where we are and see our disgrace. This is a prayer of penitence and admission and transparency. Because we can go to church, we can hang out with other believers or not. People are believers, act all holy and nice. I can stand up here and preach to you for half an hour to 40 minutes. But I know my own heart, as you know your own heart, and what we have gone through in our lives. And we know that much of the pain in our own lives comes because of our own sin and what we have done. Just like what happened in Jerusalem and Lamentations. Now, I do believe that there is hope for us, for those who endure, for those who believe. And I also believe that there will be times tragedy will strike your life through no fault of your own. Pain and tragedy will come. You will experience these things in your life that you have hope to avoid. Don Davis calls this the winds of oppression. This is what Jesus experienced. But because he has gone through it, he also gives us strength to go through it as well. There is hope for us as a people. The one we believe in gives us this hope in the midst of trouble and sadness and discouragement and shame. All the things that encompass a life that has fallen and broken. In Romans 8.28, Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Things will come into your life. And we need to realize that you, you were never meant to do it alone. You're meant to do it with the community of other people. You're meant to do it with Jesus in your life. You're not meant to go through life like Rambo, taking it all on, when inside you really feel like Winnie the Pooh, but you don't want anybody to actually know. I mean, Christianity is, is no more lies. It's real freedom. It means you can actually be healed. You can be broken, upset, fearful. Even tragedy can hit, but you don't need to run anymore. 
You don't have to medicalize it to cope. You don't have to put up a facade that everything's going to be fine. You can look it in the face because of the cross. That is the hope of Lamentations. This is the hope of Palm Sunday and Easter and the resurrection. And this is the week to remember our Lord as he walks up Calvary's hill and hear his last words, It is finished. Everybody sins paid in full at the cross. And he gives up his spirit and he dies. That is an amazing picture of our God. And this is not just a great story. This is a pattern that God forms in us as a people. That sometimes we are broken. And we understand that brokenness. And then he causes us to rise. The prayer Jeremiah prays is broken into three different dimensions in chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has happened to us. Look, which means pay attention, and see our disgrace. The verbs, remember, look, and see. And these are great words to understand in preparation for the coming week. Remember us, Lord, in our fallen state. Remember because He is a God of covenant faithfulness. Look upon our state as we are. This is, see me as I am. Not as I want other people to think I am. Not as I want to be, but see me as I really am. God's fresh eyes on us. Now we trust Him for a steadfast love. He sees us because only He sees everything and only He can provide. And see our disgrace, the truth of us, the truth of who we are, how we have marred His image in us as a people, that we need redemption from ourselves. These things just summarize the entire book. It starts off, remember as Lord in our fallen state. This is in our need because He is a God of covenant faithfulness. Lamentations 5 is unique in the book of Lamentations because it's a prayer. It's actually shorter than, than the other chapters in the book. And it's a prayer, not a lament. Chapters 1 through 3 end with a sort of prayer. Chapter 4, there's no prayer. Chapter 5, the whole thing is a prayer. And it's composed in three sections, chapter, verses 1 through 10, verses 11 through 18, and verses 19 through 22. And when you look at it all, I think it relates directly to what many people would see as the defeat of Jesus on the cross when it was really his victory. I mean, there's a bleak picture painted in Lamentations 5. Verses 1 through 4 talks of an inheritance of God that's now controlled by foreigners, God's chosen people in slavery to another. Historically speaking, what happens is God takes a 75-year-old Aramean pagan from his land where he's worshiping false gods and he calls to him and says, you follow me. And Abraham goes, okay, I'll follow you. Eventually in Genesis 22, God leads Abraham out under the night sky. And in verses 17 and 18 says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I will make you as numerous as the stars in the sky. What an amazing and wonderful promise. Yet he wanders aimlessly for 25 years with only the hope of the word of God. 13 years in, Abraham has some doubt and he stumbles. He fathers a kid through a servant woman of his wife. This kid's name is Ishmael. And that just causes a whole lot of issues. His faith is imperfect as our faith is imperfect. He has doubts. But eventually God gives him his promised son Isaac. Isaac has a promised son Jacob. Jacob has sons that lead to the 12 tribes of Israel. One of his sons named Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt. And after he's in slavery in Egypt for a while, he rises to become the second person in charge of the whole land of Egypt. When there's a huge famine, Joseph gets his family, brings them all down to take care of them. Well, while his whole family is in Egypt, they multiply... And after 400 years, they end up being slaves in Egypt, and they cry out to God, please save us. And so God redeems them. He brings them out. God nurtures them. He builds them. He strengthens them. He inspires them. He establishes His covenant, His relationship with them again. And yet they wander in the desert for 40 years because their faith is not perfect. Then they finally receive their land and their promises, and and God's covenant begins to come true. But eventually their kings and their people become idolatrous, disobedient, sinful, and break God's covenant, and God leads them into tragedy. 
Lamentations is this bleak picture of what has happened to these people. The entire population is disadvantaged and broken. They're living like orphans. They're defeated. Foreigners and enemies and persecutors rule over them. Lamentations talks in images of hunger and famine and victimization. And these are the people of God. These are the people of God. Do not think that if you claim to be a Christian, you claim the name of Jesus, that you are immune from difficulty. You are not. I want you to know that in your life, you can't avoid it. If you belong to Christ, he says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. The, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. When we read this, we typically look at, oh, he's not destroyed. Oh, they're not abandoned. Oh, they're not in despair. Oh, they're not crushed. And we overlook the words where he's struck down. He is persecuted. He's perplexed. He's hard-pressed on every side. These are not happy words. These are tough words. This is why Paul prays in his prison cell. In Philippians 1.29, he says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Paul says the same conflict Jesus had, he had. The saints throughout the ages have always had. And it's a privilege given to you and I. And that is the exact opposite of what most Christianity preaches today. What Jeremiah does in Lamentations is he asks God to do a strange thing. In the midst of all this, he says, remember. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God really ever forgets anything? No. Do you think God can ever learn anything? Do you think God needed Jeremiah's help to help him to learn how to remember? No, not at all. I believe Jeremiah asked God to remember in the midst of his doubt because he knows that God is a God of covenant faithfulness. He's a God who remembers his relationship with his people. Yes, God punished his people. He pulled out the belt and he spanks them. But he made a commitment that he would bring the children of Israel into the land. Jeremiah knows that. God remembers what he said. And this phrase, remember, is found throughout much of the Old Testament. In Psalm 25, 6 and 7, King David says, Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Habakkuk in chapter 3 verse 2 asks God to remember his mercy in the face of his wrath. He says, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day and our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Even the week of Christ's death, he's hanging on the cross. A thief is crucified next to him. In John 23, 42, the thief looks at him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Our God is a God who allows us to remind him of stuff. Not because he needs reminding, but because we do. We need to remember his faithfulness so we don't forget that he actually hears us. God actually likes to be reminded of things. The God of pleasure and pain, of glory and suffering, of wrath and love, he never forgets his promise. He never forgets his covenant. He has not forgotten you. God will never forget his people. Even in the destruction of Jerusalem, this does not render God's promise to his people meaningless because Jesus did come. God remembers. 700 years before Jesus comes, in Isaiah 49, verses 14 and 15, God is talking about Zion, and God says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And so God answers that. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And God says, Even if that takes place, He says, Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I will not forget. This is one of the most important truths you can ever know in your life. 
No matter how far you go, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how absent God seems, or troubled and afraid you may feel, God has not forgotten you. God has never forgotten you, ever. He knew you in the womb. He planted you in the uterine wall. He formed your little zygote. He nudges you down the birth canal if you're a C-section, pulled out. You know, but, but he sees you. He, he remembers that. When you are ashes in the grave and the memory of you is long faded from the earth, this God remembers you. He will never forget you. He will never leave you. Our God understands the cross and he still delivers his son. This God sends his son that we didn't even ask him. This son who would go to the cross, quiet resolve before his accusers, gives us everything. And on that cross, he remembers you and I. God has not forgotten us. We are the ones who cry out, God, I can't make it. Please don't forget me. And God says, I know. I know that. I have a friend whose sister has been racked with cancer for years. Remission, out of remission, remission, out of remission, remission. Then it's back with a vengeance, stage four, months to live. The family prays, they seek God, they beseech him for sister, daughter, friend. The cancer racks her body and she is gone. Did God forget about them or not? No, not at all. See, if you think this is an easy truth that you can take or you can leave, you have no idea that the time will come in your life when you will have to stand on certain things, to stand your ground on what you believe, that our God is a God of covenant faithfulness and will not break His word. Even in the midst of a crumbling sister, even in the midst of our culture that is so easy believism, and oh, well, maybe God just forgot. Oh, God wasn't around. We reject that. Our God is a God who sees And at some point in your life, there'll be a fight between your faith and what you believe and what you see with your eyes and what our Lord has declared. And Jeremiah, I think, prays this because he knows that in the middle of this horror, God was not blind. He saw everything that was going on he had not forgotten. And this is important coming into the week of Easter because resurrection is not understandable without Calvary, without the cross. There are no shortcuts. We must all go through the fire. And you will have to find out at some point that you really believe that our God is good and He is true. Because when you walk in pain, your faith is tested. You will know the depth of your faith. He says, remember. And then He says this, pay attention. Look. Verses 11 through 18, he says this, Women have been ravished in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. So he says, pay attention. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy has gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. Look, pay attention. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it. Do you see the images of desperation and uncertainty? I mean, this passage introduces the classic theological problem. C.S. Lewis calls this the problem of pain. Why do horrible things happen to people? Or why do horrible things happen to good people? Why do the wicked prosper? And there are three questions people ask in this. And that is, is God good? Is God able? And does God know? Because we all go through things, and if God is good and able and He knows, then why do we still go through them? Is God not as good as we think He is? Is God not able as we think He is? Or is God really not? No. If God loves me and knows my pain and can do something about it, then why, when we are in the oven, does God not open the door and instead feels like He actually shuts the door harder, turns up the heat and gazes in to watch us bake? Why? If God is good and able and knows. This is the message of the cross. It's the heart of the cross. In Psalm 73, a guy named Asaph says this in verses 13 and 14. He says, Surely I have kept my heart pure. 
Yet surely, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. He says, why, if I follow the Lord, does more trouble come into my life? Why, when I love Christ more, are things harder? If God is good and able and knows, why am I even going through this? Why is the enemy's boot always on my neck? Why does it feel like God's boot is on my neck? And as a pastor, I deal with this question all the time from people. And you want to know what? There, there's an answer. But it may not be the answer you like. The answer is, is this. Sometimes our God does come and he calms the storm. He takes his child and he says, it's all going to be okay. Sometimes our God allows the storm. Sometimes there's no other way for us to learn than for us to go through something. And this is the hardest one. Sometimes our God actually brings the storm. Sometimes he brings it. And no matter how hard we may try, there are no shortcuts. And if he wants us to go through it, no sort of running is going to get you away from it. If there are times, there is no way through it except for God to take you and bring you through it. But our God will bring you through it. This is what Lamentations and Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter is all about. Remember us. Look upon our needs. See us through. When we're afraid and don't want to go through something that's coming up and we say, God, I don't want to. And God says, you got to go. God, I don't want to. You got to go. That's just how it works. Sometimes the only way to learn is for God to take us through something that's full of pain because there's no other way. Jesus goes to the cross. There is no other way. Asaph, the guy who wrote the psalm I was talking about earlier, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In the same psalm, in verse 26, he gets to a place and he says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, my mom is five foot one inches tall. She's a little lady, a whole lot of angst in there. Uh, you know, and, and, if you, and if you know her, you know she's got opinions just about everything. When kids get hurt as small children, they, they usually run to mom. My mom was no different. We, were, we would run to her. My mom had a basic toolkit to fix everything that, that came along. This could be a cold, a broken arm, a brain aneurysm, all the same thing. Okay? <laughs> three things. Hydrogen peroxide, uh, Vicks Vapor Rub, and Milk and Magnesia. Okay? Those are the three things. Uh, if I had an accident, my eyeball was laying outside of my head, she'd walk over and say, Aaron, we don't have money for a new eyeball. What'd you do anyway? Pour some peroxide in it. We'll shove it back in your head and rub Vicks Vapor Rub all over it and Vicks and Milk and Magnesia. You'll be fine. Anybody have a mom like that? Yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't know what your mom's toolkit was. That was my mom's toolkit. Now, what is, what is important is not that remedy. The important thing is my mother. You know, when you were hurt, you ran to mom. Look at this, rub it, kiss it, make, make it feel better. We have a God who at times allows the pain in our lives. And we get to run to him and he promises to hold us and love us and walk with us and even moan and cry over us. And he won't let us go. He won't prevent you from going through the pain but he won't leave you in the midst of it. Lamentations 3.31, it says, For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion, so great is his unfailing love. This is the gospel in Lamentations. Now, the last part in chapter 5 is verses 19 through 22. It starts, remember, pay attention, and then it says, and see, that God would see us in our lost state because he is a God of eternal sovereignty. It says, you, O Lord, Reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Now, you may think that's kind of depressing. This is actually a great way to bring this book to a close and Palm Sunday to a close. As Jeremiah prays, remember us because God is faithful. He prayed for God to pay attention because he knows God is loving. And now he prays that God would see and restore, that God would see and act, that he would do something. 
God is in the business throughout the scriptures of always seeing. He still sees to this day. Like Moses is placed in a little wicker basket and put in the Nile, and the mom's like, what's going to happen to my boy? And God sees him. In the New Testament, you've got Paul and Silas. They're in chains in jail singing Kumbaya or something. there, And God sees that. Jesus in Gethsemane before he goes to the cross and he's praying and he's weeping and he's sweating like drops of blood and God sees that. This text tells you that our God is a God of eternal sovereignty. He remembers. He doesn't forget anything. We can petition him to pay attention because he is faithful in his steadfast love and he sees our state of disgrace because he is a God who is in charge of everything. And no matter how tempted we think we are to think that God is indifferent to our plight, our God shows up and he walks through it with us. Now, I'll see how this works because last service didn't make it through. I made everybody cry. We'll see how this. I, I'm going to tell you about one of the most uh, painful things I've ever had to endure in my life. Uh, I told you this before. My wife and I have wanted to have kids for a very, very long time. Uh, we, we were trying for years, about seven years into trying. Uh, I'm at lunch with these people. She's not feeling good. She goes to the doctor, and I get this call in the middle of this lunch, and she says, and she's crying on the phone, and she says, she says. I'm pregnant. And I go, what? Say it again. What? And I can't think. I don't know what to do. The the people across the table actually have to put me in their car and drive me to where she's at because I'm just like, I can't think anything. And so we get ultrasounds. We, we buy the vitamins. I plan out the reading plan in the womb, instituting the Christian's religion, and the kid's going to come out like a scholar before even, you know, I'm going to read right, right to them the whole time. I mean, I, I'm going to be a daddy. This is, this is amazing to me. And then Sunday morning arrives, it's the Lord's Day, and it's actually Father's Day. I mean, what a day. Almost. I'm going to be a dad. I mean, it's, and my wife wakes up, and there's blood over the bed, because she miscarries. This is the only time that we have known she is pregnant. Even to this day, it was, was that time. So that Sunday morning, I get up. I give this message about God fathering us. He's a, he's a good God. I'm also leading music that morning. And the last song they sang before the message started, where it goes, you give and take away, my heart chooses to say, Lord, blessed be your name. That's the song we ended the morning with. Just, just by sheer coincidence of flute. It wasn't like I showed up that morning and go, oh, this would be a great song for this morning. I planned that song list like a month in advance, and that was the song we ended with. My wife's singing. She puts the mic down and walks off the stage because she can't handle it. I finished the song, and I walk off the stage, and I walk back, and I got my head in my hands. <sighs> See? I don't mean to do this to you. I'm not, one of the, I'm, not, I'm not like, oh, that's that crying pastor. I don't cry. <laughs> I get out the back door, and I sit down, and I say, I have devoted my life to this God. I have given this God everything. And he takes, sorry, and he takes my baby. He takes my boy. And I think, should I be cynical? Should I be angry? Should I lose hope? No. Not at all. Because my God lost his son. My God gave his boy for the insanity that is my own sin, for the grossness that is your sin, and he rises to life to offer you and I and my unborn baby life. So, 
These are not just iffy truths that we spout off on a Sunday morning to say, oh, go away, you'll feel better in the pain. These are truths that we live our lives by. Because these are the words of life. And you may suffer. You may suffer, but God is good. He is good. He remembers, he pays attention, and God sees. He is a God of covenant faithfulness, steadfast love. And because of him, you and I will live forever. Trevor's going to... He hugged me last service. <laughs> if you can't finish because you're crying, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Obviously, the band has come up. We'd like to invite you to continue to worship with us. Um, we have communion every Sunday, uh, every week here at Element. Just coming up during the next few songs, we've got tables in the back and tables up here in the front. <clears throat> There'll be prayer in the back. There's also some, uh, some deacons and elders that'll be hanging around. If you need prayer, find one of them. They'll pray with you. Uh, we have offering boxes on the side walls. Um, I think there's one in the back door as well. Um, just place your, put your offerings through there. After the service, come and hang with us. Uh, get to know someone new. And, of course, uh, have something to eat. And um, have a great day. Let's pray. Look at us, Lord. See us as we are. Not like, we, not like we want others to think, but as we really are. Help us to weather the storms, some of them even your storms, and bring us through it. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.